0: Welcome back to our podcast, Media in My World, where we analyze ideas and moments on the big screen and look at them in the real world. As
1: always, I'm Suba. And I'm Katrina. Today we'll be talking about the villain that took 2018 by surprise, Thanos. In Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, Thanos is the big bad, a giant purple alien with slightly genocidal tendencies. Thanos believes by wiping out half the population and the resources in the universe, he can save it and he spends the first movie gaining the powers to do so, and, spoiler alert, he actually does it.
2: Titan was like most planets. Too many mouths, not enough to go around. And when we faced extinction, I offered a solution. Genocide. But random, dispassionate, fair to rich and poor alike. They called me a madman. And what I predicted came to pass. Congratulations, you're a prophet. I'm a survivor.
1: Who wants to murder trillions.
2: With all six stones, I could simply snap my fingers. They would all cease to exist, and I call that... mercy.
0: I remember watching the scene in Avengers Infinity War in 2018 and feeling shocked. But like, although Thanos' solution was extreme, at least to me, I found this problem he was tackling current and real.
1: Overpopulation. It does seem to beg the question, would cutting all living beings by 50% really bring balance to the universe? And that's what we're here to try
0: to answer today on Media in My World. So we wanted to ask around to see what other people thought about Thanos, Thanos and the Avengers in order to get a better feel of the movie's impact on our
1: world. However, before we dig into our classmates' views on this complicated question, we wanted to investigate overpopulation.
0: How do we get to the point where if the population growth rate continues,
1: our planet will not be able to sustainably support its population? Well, it's kind of a long story, Um, but Adam Cole, an NPR reporter, helps us out in a soundbite where he explains how our world got to this point. Um, Also, just for reference, he's using the illustration of water droplets flowing into and out of a glass to represent deaths and births, so if you hear that in the background, that's why. Also, just a quick note, in this clip specifically, he's starting with the situation in 1200, so 820 years ago
0: births are canceled out by deaths. Women are having lots of babies, but most babies die before they grow up and have families of their own. We don't reach one billion until 1804. But things are changing. Better medicine and better agriculture are starting to slow the leak from the bottom of the glass. People still die, of course. But more babies grow up and have babies of their own. Lots of babies. We've grown from one billion to seven billion, and it only took 200 years.
1: Industrialization, healthcare, agricultural productivity, all of these are accountable for the spike in global population. In addition to these, society and the role of women have had a huge impact on population.
0: Let's flip through our history books, if you'll indulge me for a second. In the United States, before it became an industrialized society. In, in these times, it was normal to have many children. The kids helped with farming and running the
1: household. Well, you know, a slightly darker element of this huge amount of childbearing, though, was that unfortunately with the medicine at that time, not many kids actually survived.
0: But then came industrialization and the advancement of healthcare, and as these things advanced we began to see a decrease in these huge families because obviously families no longer needed children to tend the field and more than that women were able to expand on their roles in society
1: yeah it's crazy it's actually the role of women that has had the largest impact on birth rates in developed countries over the past 40 years the age that women start having children has increased dramatically rather than women marrying at a young age and settling down and having kids they're not now able to have access to opportunities to pursue education and have a career
0: access and knowledge of birth control has massively altered birth rates at least in the united states a country that has demographics of a post-industrial society with low birth rates and low death rates the innovation and the invention of birth control has changed so much
1: but in many countries unfortunately around the world that have not gone through these transitional phases and are still experiencing high birth rates and low death rates um, partially because the women have no proper sex education or access to birth control how do countries help? Like, how does a com- government regulate this?
0: What comes to mind for me is the one-child policy.
1: For our listeners out there, was essentially when China decided in the 80s that every family could only have one child as a form of controlling the birth rates.
0: Families would have more than one kid, and then they would just, like— because most families wanted a boy, because a boy signals, like, prosperity and growth mm-hmm. and climbing the social ladder. So if they had a kid, the kid was a girl, they would, like, dump the girl in an orphanage and try again.
1: That's insane. So I never like, knew that.
0: It worked, but it didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. Another infamous form of population control is the forced sterilizations of the 1940s.
1: In North Carolina, there existed the Eugenics Board of North Carolina, where five people determined that 7,600 women were detrimental to the human race. And then, eventually, forced
0: sterilizations became racially driven, as more black women were unfairly targeted for non-consensual sterilizations. And although most of us view forced sterilizations as something in the past, they are still a problem today. Forced sterilization still happens in numerous populations and countries by those with power to control the reproduction of people whose traits they find undesirable. In India, for example, between 2013 and 2014, 4 million people were sterilized, and only around 100,000 of these sterilized people were men, and you had people dying or having all these awful complications for procedures they never even
1: agreed to. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, on the flip side of these two examples, um, one kind of different approach would be one that we see in like in South American countries, so Venezuela, for example, but also even in India, it's been used, where basically they use popular culture to helping influence the traditions and cultures of having children so for example they use telenovelas and soap operas and this demonstrates like a very traditional um family that has four people in it you know two two parents two kids and this is like what they see their favorite actors do and what they see their fa- favorite actors living so that definitely kind of influences tr- like culture and over time it becomes rather common to have only two children so obviously that's not really government controlled and government regulated but it seems to be a more effective and be just like kinder like a kinder method of controlling birth rates
0: all right so as you guys may know we have seven billion people on this planet and if you take away 3.5 billion of them people have differing views on what might happen to our world and what might happen to our future
1: so now that we've covered a little bit about the history and different plans to address overpopulation soup and i really wanted to turn to our classmates to ask them what they thought about thanos's idea so taking all moral implication out of it, do you think taking away half of the world population would like save the earth?
2: Yes, I do think it would save the planet because overpopulation has many symptoms that are affecting our ecology on a world scale. I agree.
1: I also <laughs> think cutting the population half, well, mostly overpopulation
0: I think as well.
2: I mean, pollution wise, yeah, I think it would definitely help. Cause like we saw what happened with COVID when people were just like, stuck in their houses. And you
0: saw a dramatic dip in, in resource use, um, but you also saw a dramatic decrease in GDP and economic activity. And so it comes at a very real cost for all these people, even those who are not being um, erased from the planet. <laughs> um,
1: no, I don't think it's going to help. Well, it's not an issue of how much like resources are being drained. It's a matter of there's specific countries that are using a lot more, like a disproportionate amount of resources.
0: Certain groups contribute to emissions. Yeah disproportionately. It wouldn't necessarily make a huge difference. That
1: even if we took away half of the world's population, you're still gonna have people that are using disproportionately from other people.
0: Unless it was certain people that you are removing in this half. Many of her classmates said the reason having the population half would be beneficial was because it would allow for less resource consumption and help the planet by matching the population to its carrying capacity. In an
1: ideal world, every individual would have equal access to even the most basic requirements such as food, water, and shelter. However, unfortunately, 8.9% of the world's population, around 690 million people, go to bed hungry every night. 884 million people do not have safe water to drink. A large portion of this
0: resource inequality is driven by a depletion of resources. For example, water, an incredibly precious commodity, and more specifically groundwater, is a non-renewable resource.
1: The largest aquifer, the Ogallala Aquifer, which runs under the Great Plains, takes 6,000 years to naturally replenish. However, it's said to be depleted between 2028 and 2100. So like, as early as seven years. Yeah, super soon. And it supplies water for 20% of total annual U.S. agricultural harvest. One thing is clear in this whole situation, our current system right now is not sustainable. But there are better ways. According to the energy sector of the U.S. government, there are many more sustainable practices, including rainwater harvesting and wastewater reclamation that can be utilized. In addition, using plants that require less water would be a great alternative. In addition to resource depletion, the lack of an adequate food system and consumer
0: culture also play key roles in the lack of access to resources. According to David Sattertoit, a senior fellow at the International Institute for Environment and Development in London, it's not the number of people on the planet that is the issue, but the number of consumers and the scale and nature of their consumption. Consumer culture is a contributing factor, like David said, to inaccessibility. Gandhi famously said, the world has enough for everyone's need but not enough for everyone's greed. it's
1: very dark it's very dark i love i love that yeah it's yeah it's very, very, very it a little rhyme in there too yeah
0: yeah <laughs> um, although this is not completely correct it does raise a really interesting ethical question
1: yeah i think going off of that um this anthropologist richard h robbins he puts it perfectly he says to understand why people go hungry you must stop thinking about food as something farmers grow for others to eat and begin thinking about it as something companies produce for other people to buy. Yeah. The grocery shopping one is a really interesting point. Like, you think about, like, you know, people are going hungry and just need basic necessities, and Trader Joe's is off making, like, specially flavored Oreos. It's just, like, it sucks, though, because they're catering to the needs of the wealthy. They're catering to the people yeah. who come to their store to buy stuff. But in fact, so it's this consumer culture that's, like, like, almost, like, forcing people to not, not help those who actually desperately need the, the access to these resources.
0: So, have you been in a Trader Joe's? Do you go to Trader Joe's? Are you a Trader Joe's girl? Or? I am,
1: I'm
0: sorry. You know it's so funny? My parents won't let me go. Like, and nobody in my community mm-hmm. recognizes it really as like worthy of the trip because it's all these like weirdly specialized things. Nothing you like genuinely actually need that you can't get from like Costco or
1: BJ's for a lesser price.
0: The presence of restaurants also aids in overconsumption.
1: Yeah, fast-food restaurants like KFC have been under a certain kind of fire recently from environmental activists because according to Vandana Shiva, who's a famous activist, for every pound of red meat, poultry, eggs, and milk produced, farm fields lose about 5 pounds of irreplaceable topsoil and the water necessary for meat breeding comes to about 190 gallons per animal per day. I think that there's an interesting question that goes into here too, when it comes to the relationship between farmers and the people who buy their food. So farmers are really treated poorly in this whole arrangement, in addition to the degradation of their land from producing all these crops.
0: Yeah, this overproduction leads to food waste on both the side of the farmer and
1: the side of the company. I know, I wish there was some kind of system, whether it was having a place to bring leftover foods or something to address this problem, to both be able to give the individuals who actually need the food um, and just help the environment. I mean the creation and waste of these products leads to pollution.
0: And when those products are made and like thrown away at this like crazy speed where you're like gotta gotta bake a dozen donuts and, like boil them, like dump them out that night yeah. and like pollution increases, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah, and all of this is done just to appease the consumer. And it's not even just about food, it's also about like packaging, like Amazon. Like think about oh, when God. you order a package. Although some you know, some of them are investing in sustainable packaging, more often than not, you know, a lot of these companies don't care and they don't wanna invest in this. And so um you'll have these big packages filled with like non-compostable packing peanuts and have those like plastic bags filled with air and it's just it's crazy and we continuously buy them online over and over again just because it's convenient it gets delivered to your front door um and most of the times like we sacrifice we sacrifice the environment and the health of others for convenience
0: in fact although you see pollution problems in poor countries wealthier countries tend to be the cause of that because of their good consumption habits you know like in china like growing up you always like the like Crazy air. People were wearing masks, like pre-pandemic, just to help themselves, like shield yeah. themselves from the air. And the, but the cause of one third of that pollution is attributed to the production of exports.
1: And what's awful too is like we learned about in environmental justice, the people who are going to bear the brunt of this pollution are those in poor communities. And it's awful because a lot of these like a poor people who live in poor communities aren't even the ones ordering packages. They're yeah. not the ones buying into this consumer culture. Exactly. Because they're busy like getting minimum wage for making the products themselves. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so then what is ethical consumption? Like how do we do this? How do we consume properly? How do we consume without all this massive waste and all this horrible like pollution all being dumped on like marginalized communities?
0: I think what it really comes down to is where you put your money. I mean like, you know, do your best and don't put your money where it's gonna hurt more people and have a worse environmental impact. And if you genuinely use your money to make a statement, you can affect change more than you realize. Because companies really at the end of the day just want your money. And if you make them see just how much money they can make off of being sustainable, they'll listen, as messed up as it is that that's the reason why they're listening to you.
1: Yeah. Wow, that was a lot. Um, so we're gonna take a little break now. Grab some coffee, don't jet out into space just yet because we'll have a special guest for you when we come back. And we're
0: back. All right, let's finish this episode up strong with answering our question. But before that, we were lucky enough to talk to someone very near and dear to my heart, Eva Chalky. With 25 years of experience and a background both in finance and public policy, Chalky focuses on areas of climate-smart inclusive economic development and fosters solutions to pressing societal problems through innovation
1: and social entrepreneurial approaches. And for the sake of time, we cut straight to the question. If you remove the moral implication, would removing half the population of the world help the Earth?
2: So I thought that was a really interesting question. And, and my answer to that, again, is one of uh, sort of highlighting the nuances and complexities. So when you look at the growth in population population, um, on, on Earth, right? Let's say you go back to 1974. In 1974, the population was about half of what, is, what it is now. That doesn't necessarily mean that we did not have extremely serious environmental issues. In some ways, we had some much more serious ones um, than, than what we have today, because some of the science and the technology was not as advanced. But if you look at the population doubling since 1974 to today, that population growth is predominantly in the least developed countries. It is uh, predominantly coming from Asia and Africa, right? If you look at the other continents, the population growth has been negligible. But if you see where is the... Uh, resource overuse happening that is predominantly in those countries where the population has been stagnant, so to me, that in and of itself is an indication that it's really not so much about the population, right having said that of course you know if if the earth has a larger population to take care of. Uh, that is definitely a larger challenge. But I think my example demonstrates that it is not so much absolute numbers that we need to worry about, but much more so about the behavior and the mentality of the regions and the groups who are overusing. What happens is the advanced countries are using these resources from from the poorer countries. Uh, But that's also at some point becomes obviously unsustainable, not to mention that our aspiration is to make sure that the quality of lives of all people on Earth improve. Um, So how can we accomplish that if we want all those people in um, Africa and Asia who are currently living uh, with very, very limited resources, if we want to... Help their economic development. How can we do it in a sustainable way so they don't make those countries don't make the same mistakes that the currently industrialized advanced economies have done? You know, halving the population is, is, is not going to would would not accomplish very much in and of itself. Um, the measures such as we discussed earlier, changing mentality, educating, informing people understanding the nuances and the complexities, implementing smart policies, those are the measures that we need to be pursuing. And with those, I'm confident that Earth can support an even much larger population than what we have today.
1: Um, So I guess here's like my method of thinking, now that we've gotten like everyone's answers and we've really thought about this. So one, the regeneration of population would be within like what? 40 50 years yeah so like it's not even like it's gonna save us that much time
0: population growth has been and will always be the way I see it, at least exponential you're not curbing population growth in any way you're just delaying the inevitable so like is that
1: our obligation to delay the inevitable like is that mm. because don't we want to find like a long-term like actual reasonable solution
0: for me I'm hesitant
1: to say yes
0: because I tend to
1: like genuinely think about the emotional
0: and like all the implications
1: yeah and no I totally agree and I think Obviously when we asked people this question, we did say take away the moral implications. Right. But I think it's impossible to ignore the moral implications, which right. is like we'd be losing le- losing half of our population. We are humans, like we have a community. And I think there's also like these other alternatives. So I'm just wondering like, is that is that as good as the taking away fifty percent of our population?
0: I genuinely think it could be. I think yeah. if we implemented these the problem is people lose faith because we don't implement these solutions and other solutions quickly enough and not on a wide scale. But if everybody in the class, if everybody in the world bought into this idea and like consumed up, consumed a little bit less, or made a few cuts, or put their money where it mattered more, I'm not saying everybody can. But if all of us who could control it, you know, did did support only certain businesses and put our money where it mattered, I think we could. So then that begs the
1: question. So if we could control the fifty percent. Like what? If, what if we removed all the people who aren't doing the right thing? <laughs> like what? Oh, that's interesting. If you could have a choice, like if you remove like the big corporations who are polluting, like if you if you remove these people, would that solve world peace? Like would that create like world harmony as well? Um, I mean, what do you think? Do you think we could? I don't know. I don't think so. I think like in a society, like there's always going to be people who who think that there's extra space for them who don't think that they should contribute as much. And so if you get rid of the worst, then the second worster can become the worst. You know, like there's hey. it's, we're never gonna. As much as we want to create this perfect world where the big corporations are the ones who disintegrate into dust and now we're left with no pollution, someone else is going to rise up and take the p- place of that new corporation, you know? Cuz they're like, "Oh shit, all this money."
0: So like even if you don't have like the big bad, you're going to get a slightly lesser bad who sneaks in. Mm-hmm. There will always be bad people. But also that also begs the question, how do you know who's genuinely the bad people? Yeah. So maybe
1: maybe our answer should be that we shouldn't try to eliminate them. We should change. We should ch- change the system. Yeah. Which again, super broad answer. Like I, we're two high schoolers. Like we yeah, can't. We're two high schoolers, and we're like, oh, down with capitalism. <laughs> Obviously, we can't switch. We can't change the system that's hundreds of years old. We can do little things to implement it. So whether that's making a stronger food system, whether that's um, holding companies and corporations liable. So there's things that we can do that I think are going to be better than just eliminating fifty percent. I think there's a better way to go about fixing these issues um and that goes along with kind of fixing the system
0: all right so if you're listening you've made it to the end of the podcast woohoo
1: sorry that was kind of (laughs) long
0: or you skipped to the end because you realized at a certain point it was getting a little too long
1: yeah (laughs) which is totally understandable if you did skip our answer to the big question is no yeah um surprise surprise so sorry Thanos you lose one more um (laughs) yeah but I guess that's it thank you so much for listening yeah and so this has been media in my world and thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you